The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. This is Digging Deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. You're here with me, D.D. Denslow, uh, on a Sunday episode of Digging Deeper. Uh, and what an interesting show I have got lined up for you this weekend. Uh, first up, uh, Ian Clayton, who's sitting right opposite me at the moment uh, will be joining me he is a retired uk lawyer uh, he has been investigating a whole myriad uh, of issues related to covid since 2020 he's co-founder of uk citizens 2021 and ethical approach uk and we will be discussing among other things uh, the lockstep nature of the behavior and decision making of uk regulatory authorities uh, what that incidence with john watt uh, and rishi sunak on gb news earlier on uh, during the week and a whole range of other issues that are covid related and vaccine injury related and then at 1 p.m i've got godfrey bloom joining me godfrey is a former mep a political commentator an associate member of the royal college of defense studies and an author and i will be looking at uh, the fine financial state of the west uh, are we moving into a war economy here in the UK, in USA, and even in places of all places, uh, Germany, with the ever-present threat of Russia? And uh, we'll be discussing the results of the two recent by-elections here in the UK, in which turnout was incredibly low, but it appears Labour dominated those elections and it's a good point for me to just remind all the wonderful listeners the informed listeners of tnt that uh, we do have an election coming up in 12 weeks and counting 2nd of may is still the date that's confirmed for the uk election so you need to start thinking exactly what are you going to do on that ballot day who are you going to vote for are you going to vote are you going to spoil your ballot or maybe you've got some revolutionary activities that might take place of the usual uh, election that's going to happen here in the uk uh, very quickly tnt is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do tnt is live radio and now a tv broadcaster we're on youtube we're on rumble we're live on twitter facebook odyssey and all the other major streaming platforms and here at tnt we simply tell the truth 24 hours a day seven days a week no one in the world does what we do here at tnt radio crisscrossing the globe providing credible news and opinion all day and all night in two and a half years tnt has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts brilliant hosts and staff Big shout out to Al in the studio and to everybody else at TNT. Uh, it's a critical time and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We are now appealing to you, to our friends, to our supporters around the world to go to tntradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Uh, and if you can't do that, please just go and spread the word tell your friends your family hey switch on tnt radio tntradio.live again you can find us on youtube and rumble spread the word help our station grow uh, we need uh, all of your support 
and your commentary and your words out there so that everybody knows that there is a place where you can go away from the mainstream media to find the truth about today's news and the world events here on TNT Radio. Very quick story, uh, COVID-related, uh, before I go to Ian. Uh, a cemetery here in the UK could be extended by 7,000 graves to cope with a rise in deaths and burials during the COVID-19 pandemic. Why we need to suddenly extend that grave now, I don't, the graveyard now, I don't know, Luton Borough Council, so plans were being finalised to expand the Vale Cemetery on Greenbelt land next to the town's existing cemetery in Stopsley. A survey in 2008 found the existing cemetery would run out of space by 2025. In fact, I could carry on going through this article and guess what? It doesn't mention COVID again. It only mentions COVID in the headline and the very first line of this story, which sends my alarm bells off uh, 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 ringing because uh, I suspect it has nothing to do with COVID, but everything to do with an increase in deaths and excess deaths since COVID. And actually, maybe I could do a bit of my own amateur journalism uh, when I'm away from broadcasting here on TNT Radio and have a look and see if there are other graveyards and other plans uh, around the country to uh, increase the size of graveyards, maybe uh, open up new graveyards, uh, new cemetery facilities to deal with the increase in the number of people dying. Uh, I'll be interested to hear what, what you have to say to that in the live chat. Okay, uh, I'm going to go to Ian now. So I'm going to tell ask Ian if he could uh, very kindly unmute himself. Uh, Ian, uh, welcome to Digging Deeper. Welcome to my show here on TNT Radio. Uh, how are you? I hope you're well, my friend. Thank you, Darren. I am. I'm well. The sun's shining, so that's a good sign. That's rare at the moment, but it is today. So that's that, that's a positive. Maybe they're not spraying the skies today. Uh, I actually just went for a walk. I always go for about a three-mile walk, probably just before I come on air, just to get the blood pumping around my body and a bit of, you know, a bit of heat and a bit of sweat uh, into into my very being. Uh, and it's I can assure you there is no blue skies here in Plymouth, sunny Plymouth, and there hasn't been for as long as I can remember. To be perfectly honest, it's been grey for what seems like uh, twelve months. I don't know what your experience of the weather has been like. We, we we don't see many chemtrails up here. We see very few, but I know that they are quite prolific down south, uh, much more than they are in this area. But uh, there's there's another controversy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not going to go into that today because uh, that's that's a bit that's a bit too uh, flat earthy. That's a bit too conspiratorial to be talking about weather manipulation. But it's taken me a little while to get there. But I do think uh, that that very well could be happening. I wouldn't put anything past the establishment. Um, you are a lawyer. Uh, you are a co-founder of UK Citizens 2021. Uh, you also run the uh, Ethical Approach UK uh, website and Twitter account. Uh, maybe you could introduce yourself to the audience. You'll do a better job of it than me. Uh, go ahead, please, oh. Ian. No, I, just to go from the beginning, I, um, like most people, uh, sort of entered into this kind of, let's call it COVID pandemic phase at the end of 2019 kind of believing to a large degree what we were hearing on the mainstream media news, you know, with Wuhan. And then, of course, we were having reports of all of these um, huge numbers of deaths from COVID in Italy. And we saw that news spread across Europe and, of course, into the UK. Um, now, I once I realized that this was heading in the direction of Europe, 
um, and believing that there was something to possibly be concerned about, I started doing a little bit of independent research and I came across a, a professor of epidemiology who is originates from Germany, but uh, he now works in New York and his name is Knut Witkowski. And I discovered a few video interviews um, featuring Knut Witkowski on YouTube. I'd watched these videos and he was very laid back about it all saying, you know, it's a, it's a virus. It's kind of a flu virus or a cold virus, like any other cold and flu virus. It's going to, it's going to kind of evolve as time goes on and it's really nothing to worry about. And he was so laid back about it that that kind of calmed me in relation to that. Um, the thing, I think the thing that really turned me was on, it was just after Christmas 2019 when I watched the Pierre Corey um, address the uh, Senate, one of the Senate health committees speaking of ivermectin. And Pierre's address to the Senate committee was so passionate in his belief in the use of ivermectin and that caused me to dig really deep and that really threw me into the, the lion's den, so to speak, in relation to COVID issues. And from there, um, of course, we, we established UK Citizen early in 2021. That's now firmly established, although my association mm -hmm. is, is very, very slim. Um, but I am still involved and, you know, I'm familiar with all of the people that are now running it and we're, we're in regular contact. Um, and then UK Citizen came around. Um, or came about rather as a result of my experiences of um, what I was observing in relation to the behavior of regulators. And mm -hmm. we're talking about GMC for the medical profession, um, the SRA, Solicitors Regulation Authority, in the case of lawyers. I was seeing signs from even organizations like the Civil Aviation Authority in relation to um, relaxing the, the requirements for pilots in relation to themselves certifying themselves fit to fly. There were a lot of things that just didn't quite seem right. Uh, and I thought they needed to be look at, looked at in a bit more detail. The underlying thing, and this is kind of how the where the ethical approach came from, is that um, it was apparent that a lot of the regulators were foregoing ethics that they previously kind of loosely um, purported to, to be important to them um, but they seem to have let go of this ethical approach themselves so it seemed sensible that we should kind of investigate them from an ethical perspective and that's hence ethical approach UK Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned uh, you started investigating the, the regulators, regulatory authorities, uh, some of sort of the public sector bodies that are involved in decision making. Uh, and what did you discover? I mean, you used a really interesting word, uh, one that many will be familiar with, that they are operating and behaving in lockstep. Uh, everyone knows that, whether it's from, from the Rockefeller document about sustainable world in the future, or just from the conspiracy theories about the way our governments operated and worked in a very coordinated way during the COVID era. Uh, what have you discovered uh, with regards to UK regulators? Well, first of all, I would say that the same position applies to regulate regulators throughout the world. But obviously, I focused on the UK regulators, as you say. Now, what, what I, I think it's important for people to realise that um, I, I think we need to look at the, the broader term of regulation. Um, and not just regulators that are labelled officially as regulators. But if, if I can just touch on, for example, 
the police. The police, although they aren't defined officially as regulators, they're kind of regulators because they, they are charged with um, overseeing compliance. And they have a very general charge in overseeing compliance. But if you narrow, if, if you dispel corporations from their response, from police responsibilities, and you just look at citizens and the people, then the police, they kind of regulate the behavior of people, make sure that people don't step mm -hmm. out of line, don't cause a breach of the peace. They, you know, they generally keep everyone reasonably conforming with establishment requirements. So if you then consider that role of the police, regulators, you can actually label all of the official regulators like the GMC, like the SRA, like the Civil Aviation Authority, the IOPC. They are kind of police themselves. But if you take, for example, the GMC, the GMC are responsible for policing. Let's use the word regulating, but let's use an equally equivalent term of policing, the medical profession. Yeah. So in a sense, I think what people have done they, I'm talking about the public at large, there's been a tremendous amount of focus on police behaviour and how the police have pro approached the public in relation to COVID policies that government have introduced, like masking, like um, lockdown. But when you actually open your mind up to a more general picture, then you see a situation where a lot of the professions in particular, and some professions more than others, are being policed in a similar way by the regulators. Solicitors are policed by the Solicitors Regulation Authority, the doctors, etc., by the General Medical Council, and, you know, professions supplementary to medicine by the HCPC. And what what surprised me, and, and I've been involved in many um, instances of regulatory intervention, in, in a number of the professions. And what I've noticed is, and this is where the lockstep becomes apparent, when you look at the general approach and the correspondence, I've, I've seen many instances where you would almost think that correspondence from separate regulators has been authored by the same author, modified a little to make it look different, but basically it's as though they're all doing a cut and paste job in certain responses and just amending it a little bit, customizing it just to give it mm -hmm. this kind of, it's a different, you know, it's not written by the same person, but fundamentally anyone can actually see that it is when, when they take a look. And, um, so that, that initially told me that there was some correlation between the approach of all of these regulatory authorities. Now, what I would like to say, and I think this is significant, and I think this is very important um, in relation to regulation, I'm just going to go now to the government guidelines for regulators. Now, these were published in September 2016. So we're going back a few years, certainly prior to COVID. And I'm quoting now from the government website, from gov.uk. The guidelines for regulators says one of the core competencies for regulators is, and I'm only going to read one out, and I quote, understanding of the role of regulation as a tool of government. Now, that's the government saying that. So 
let's just look at that, right? So regulation is a tool of government. Now, I think most people out there quite rightly thought that regulators were supposed to protect the public interest. Mm -hmm. But they're a tool of government. And now provide that, oversight and provide oversight of government. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. so, so they're a tool of government. We've got that now. That's official. And then the, the other thing that, so that's something that I think the public at large need to be aware of that, you know, these regulators, and I'm going to use the phrase, they're not your friends. They're not your friends. They don't look after the public interest. And from my experience over the last two years, maybe more, two and a half years, um, what I've seen actually confirms that they are not acting in the public interest. And they they are very clearly, and I, I'm going to talk specifically about the GMC, General Medical Council, and the SRA, the Solicitor's Regulation Authority. They are actually taking action pretty much only against doctors and solicitors who are speaking out in opposition to the COVID vaccines or the vaccine rollout or, you know, anything to do with the COVID vaccines or the questions, these vaccines. Uh -huh. um, there are many solicitors and doctors, and this is another angle that I've looked at. There are many solicitors and doctors who, in normal circumstances, would be subjected to regulatory intervention by those two authorities but aren't being. They're turning a blind eye quite frequently to matters that they would previously have investigated. So all of this kind of has a common denominator in that it relates to the, the COVID vaccines and any criticism of them. One of the things that I have been, that I kind of latched onto a few months ago, and I've really been looking at in detail, is a statement that Dominic Cummings made in 2021 during a Commons Select Committee hearing. When in relation to the vaccine rollout programme, um, under the, the chairmanship of Kate Bingham, who was chairman of the uh, vaccination task force, Kate Bingham had been instructed by government, according to Dominic Cummings, in relation to the rollout of the program to ignore rules mm -hmm. and I quote this if any lawyers get in your way come to us and we'll find ways of bulldozing them out of your way now there are two issues that arise from that the first one is that is evidence of a conspiracy to pervert the course of justice and the second thing that arises that is not initially obvious because the, his statements are motive, so you kind of focus on the statement. But when you take a step back, you've got to wonder why it is that a government, a government team, has uh, found it necessary to instruct the chair of a vaccination task force to be aware of lawyers getting in your way. Why would what lawyers get in the way of something that was safe and effective and provide nothing to worry about? Mm -hmm. And it's going so, to save humanity. 
I'm going to just going to stop you there because I think that's a good point just to stop you. We're going to take a quick break, uh, Ian, and then when we come back, I want to pick up on that statement uh, and try to understand, you know, why it was made, uh, what impact it's had on people like the GMC, and what are the behaviour of some of these medical regulators with regards to doctors and nurses and solicitors who are speaking out about the vaccine. So uh, please stay right with us. We'll be back in just a moment here on TNT Radio. TNT's Dean Mackin. They want him to do a cognitive test. Now, I don't know what the rule is when it comes to driving in America or over in the UK. I can tell you that here in Australia, after you get to a certain age, and I think it's your 60s or 70s, you are required to have regular tests to make sure that you're still able to drive a motor vehicle. And it's definitely well into your, you know, probably your late 60s, definitely your 70s. Here's Joe Biden in his 80s, and he won't take a cognitive test. This is the guy who leads the largest and most powerful Western nation. Uh, Some would have you believe the most powerful nation in the world. Uh, I think that time has come and gone. I think that that ship has sailed. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonous. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words, And then he finally said, please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. 
may our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a pista and no longer a bold eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker, I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to Digging Deeper. You're here with me, DD Denslow. I'm talking with uh, UK lawyer uh, Ian Clayton. Quickly, before I go to you and start questioning you about Dominic Cummings, big shout out to everybody in the live chat. I can see the, the usual cast is in there. Nige, Skippy, Hidden in Plain Sight, Mali, I saw it in there, Mazzy, Holly Holly, Wild Heather. All good to see you. I will try to get to some of your comments. If you have questions for Ian, please put them in there. I will keep an eye on that and get to you. Uh, and get them those questions to Ian as I can throughout this show. Uh, me and Ian were just talking about Dominic Cummins. He made a statement in which uh, an instruction was given to say, ignore rules. If lawyers get in your way, come to us and we'll find ways of bulldozing them out of your way. And this was with regards to vaccines. Uh, during the break, me and Ian were having a little chat about whether uh, Dominic Cummins, a hero of Brexit, a hero of the right, is a good guy or a bad guy? So I'm just going to go straight in before we pick up on what he said on that particular question, Ian. Is Dominic Cummings a good guy or a bad guy? Okay, well, I, I don't know the answer to it, but I can, I can certainly give you my take on this and explain what I have done. Um, when, I, when I first was alerted to that statement he made about bulldozing lawyers, um, obviously the, the statement itself doesn't provide any information or any of the the the, um, the transcript around that part of the statement doesn't provide any information about the manner in which lawyers would be bulldozed out of the way if that was proven to be necessary. Mm-hmm. What we have seen in the last two years plus is lawyers being bulldozed out of the way when they mm-hmm. have challenged the COVID vaccines. So that to me seems to be a little more than coincidental. Um, now, I think when you consider that statement by Cummings of come to us, if law, if lawyers get in your way, come to us and we'll find ways of bulldozing them out of your way. When you consider what I mentioned previously about the, um, the core competencies of regulators in that they must have an understanding of the role of regulation as a tool of government and bearing in mind that Dominic Cummings was speaking in relation to government, you have to consider that regulators could very well be um, the very tool that government used to bulldoze lawyers out of the way. That would that would be logical. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Now, because of um, statement by Cummings, I have actually uh, made a criminal allegation to Durham Constabulary that they are trying very hard to 
resist investigating at the moment. The last suggestion that uh, one of the chief inspectors within the Durham Constabulary Executive Team had suggested was that rather than go to the police to report a crime, I actually approached the parliamentary ombudsman, which is a regulator. Now, regulators don't investigate crime. Police re investigate crime. So it was a fairly nonsensical suggestion. And the that same chief inspector um, also, he, what, just bear with me, he, he also suggested he suggested that it wasn't appropriate for Durham Constabulary to investigate the matter because the matter had taken place in London. Well, we don't really know where a conspiracy to in, to um, pervert the course of justice has taken place. The people involved could be anywhere. They could be in a number of different police jurisdictions. So there's no way that it could be assigned necessarily to one police force area. Um, the other thing that I should mention in the same testimony from 2021, and this is another comment of Dominic Cummings, and it relates to the um, the Information Commissioner's Office. Um, in relation to the government and the cabinet discussing um, the track and trace position, Dominic Cummings indicated in his testimony that the, the government had been advised by a number of lawyers that uh, what they were doing in terms of GDPR with track and trace wasn't legal. So Dominic had stated in his testimony that he at that point proceeded to instruct the cabinet office to contact the information commissioner's office and tell them that they were to put out a notice saying that if they got inquiries that related to um, GDPR issues or querying GDPR approach, they were to um, advise people that if any GDPI issue was relating to COVID, then it was legal. Dominic went on in his testimony to say that it we do, they didn't know whether it was legal or not, but he stated that it very likely wasn't legal. So there is very strongly persuasive evidence that the government, even after being advised that some of their, their processes weren't legal, they decided to follow that particular path in any event willfully. And of course, that raises additional questions. Now, interestingly, I raised this particular point in Freedom of Information Act requests with both the ICO and with the Cabinet Office, and both of them have come back denying any knowledge of this, but only on the basis that they had a word with staff and nobody could remember having this conversation or receiving this instruction from Cummings. Um, back to your question. You asked, was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? My gut feeling is that Dominic Cummings was being very frank and honest in his 2021 testimony. I, my personal belief is that he thought he was genuinely doing the right thing in his efforts to support the government in the way he was as a as the chief advisor to the prime minister uh -huh. um that may be the case it might not be the case um it, it could very well be that he was being used as a tool of government by the government by people within cabinet within within other parts of government that uh you know, had an agenda that he was possibly unaware of. It's very difficult to say. The only person 
who could put shed any light on that is, I guess, Dominic Cummings. And as I said earlier, um, I have actually made a, a criminal allegation to Durham Constabulary, and I've suggested to them that they do need to seek clarity from people involved in order to determine exactly what has gone on. And that's really the only way of getting to the bottom of it. So uh, my personal view is that um, Durham Constabulary need to take action. They need to investigate this and they need to see why, uh, what what was said, why exactly what was said, why it was said, and they need to expand and look at the, the wider issue picture and implications and they're probably going to be instructed it's legal it's covid don't look at it <laughs> probably um we'll stay on the whole sort of regulatory uh, uh, issue or topic um and sort of switching around the plan that i sent you uh, offcom uh We've seen, and there's been a lot of the, uh, these tweets and these videos shared, particularly on the back of what happened on GB News with John Watt and Rishi Sunak, which we'll talk about in a minute. But we're seeing uh, videos that were Good Morning TV put out all the way back in 2021 about the vaccine. We've got a variety of doctors coming out saying now 100% safe and effective. Uh, this is going to save the planet. You must go and get vaccinated, etc., etc. And we all know these types of videos are being shared again. And even now, not even community notes have jumped onto some of these videos to say, oh, this information is now false. But there's been no effort and, and no um, sort of penalties or investigations being levied by Ofcom on these mainstream media outlets for the false information that they put out at the time. And you could argue they didn't know. You could argue at the time they didn't know. Uh, but since then, these videos still exist in their hundreds right across social media. There will still be people who are viewing them and going, oh, I must get my 18th booster because of this video from 2021. Why is Ofcom not doing anything? And what can we do about the misinformation that's coming from the mainstream media? Okay, well, I... I I must admit, Ofcom is not a regulator that I've looked as deeply into as the medical and the legal regulators. But you think um, they would actually contact Ofcom themselves? The MHRA or the GMC would contact Ofcom and say, oh, uh, science has changed. A nice phrase. doesn't really mean anything. But they could use that as, a, as, as an argument for them to pull some of these videos, maybe even force MSM to say, oh, did you see that video that we put out with, uh, was it, what's her name, Sarah Kayat, Dr. Kayat? Oh, that's actually all untrue. We apologize. And here's our correction. But none of that's happened. No, no, exactly. Well, the thing is, again, with Ofcom, what, what is very apparent, and I think everyone will be well aware, that the, the Ofcom have investigated um, parties who have been critical of the vaccines or who have questioned the vaccines in some way. Anyone that promotes the vaccines, um, there, there is even if there are complaints made to regulators about them, including to Ofcom, uh, they don't step in. They don't take an interest. Um, so it, th there's a there's a very deep pattern across the board with all regulators that it is it seems to be only any investigation is only launched in relation to criticism or opposition to these COVID vaccines. Anything else is fine. Um, and, and one thing that I would say, you say, what you know, why hasn't Ofcom stepped in? It's difficult to say why, but clearly they haven't, and and it's very obvious. But 
I, I'm going to just put out one reason for people to make of it what they will. The chief executive of Ofcom is actually a member of the World Economic Forum. Now, whether that is significant or not, I'll let everyone make up their own minds about. But what I would also say, and I'd like to say at this point, in relation to regulation, the World Economic Forum have a very deep um, interest in regulation, and they have since 2019, when they formed a collaborative partnership with the British government relating to regulation and the fourth industrial revolution. And the UK government at the same time launched the Regulators Pioneer Fund, which is a, a, a a grant funding organization where regulators, UK regulators specifically, can um, apply for grants relating to projects that they want to undertake. Um, it's a competition-based thing. They're assessed on the basis of submitting an application for their particular project. And just to use one example, um, the Solicitors Regulation Authority have been involved in three or four projects under the Regulators Pioneer Fund, uh, and they have had over £1.2 million in funding within the last three years um, from this fund. Now, as I say, this, this is very closely associated with the World Economic Forum. And incidentally, what I will also say is, in regard to the fourth industrial revolution, there was a publication, I think it was out in either 2021 or 2022, and one of the executive directors, or the then executive directors of the Solicitors Regulation Authority, was a contributor to this, to this sorry, a contributor to this publication, um, which is actually a World Economic Forum publication itself. Um, I think we've got to look at these things in in a context uh, and, and in sort of a common way. And we, we have to ask, should regulators really be becoming so involved in matters in which the World Economic Forum are involved uh, in light of what is now increasingly uh coming to the surface about the agenda, particularly the, um, you know, the 2030 agenda of the uh, of the World Economic Forum. It, it, you know, it, it's a very dangerous path for so-called independent regulators to tread. Uh, I think what we'll find is it's not just the regulators that are being influenced and pressured by the World Economic Forum. It is our own government uh, itself that's under, you could say, has been penetrated uh, by the World Economic Forum to use a Klaus Schwab uh, ex uh, phrase. And I was gonna, that was going to be my next question. You know, is the influence that's driving our regulators to make the decisions and to act in the way that they act, is it coming from the government or is it coming from external sources like the World Economic Forum, like in the case of, say, Ofcom, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who seem to have a lot of money uh, and a lot of fingers and a lot of pies with regards to the media. And it is them who are acting, those regulators are now sort of almost acting independent from the government. Uh, and when the government sort of comes in and says, hey, what are you doing, Ofcom? Why aren't you investigating this vaccine misinformation? They say, Bill and Melinda Gates told us that we're not allowed to. And then the government goes, right, I ain't touching Bill and Melinda Gates. They're far too powerful. Uh, they have far too much influence. And they own half of our politicians. 
questions. Um, so it's probably a mixture of both, I would suggest. Ian, we are now coming to a break, uh, and I want to stay on the media side of the topic and talk about this incident that's happened with GB News at the beginning of the week with Rishi Sunak. Was it an organic event? Was it an inorganic event? Just something for you to think about before I, I tell uh, the team in the studio to hit the break button is, is it similar to the Steve James incident with, uh, was it Sajid Javid in the hospital when they were asking about whether they were going to comply with mandates? I think that was an inorganic event and I get a similar feeling to what happened to GB News at the beginning of the week. Anyway, we're going to find out all about that uh, very quickly after this break here on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. What a dink! Nikki Haley had a record fundraising month in January. January ended last Wednesday, and last Wednesday was the day that Nikki was in Miami Beach meeting with a Democrat billionaire mega donor. Yeah, I'm sure those three things had nothing to do with each other. Right. Tell you something else that has nothing to do with anything, and that's Democrat politicians with R's after their name, like Nikki, like Chris Christie, like Lindsey Graham, like Mitt Romney, like Liz Cheney, Adam Kinziger, you know the type, and Republican values. And yet all of them claim that they are in politics to preserve and uphold Republican values. Now, if you want genuine Republican values, you've got to look at Donald Trump, at the America First agenda. You've got to look at what make America great again really means. It means a rising tide lifts all boats. It means prosperity for regular workaday people, not just elites whose values are more in line with Davos than with those in the Dakotas. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel, ordered a coffee. But while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. Then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really, really hit. And Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought something is seriously wrong with me here. So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a widowmaker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. <laughs> Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you. Instead of a shovel and pick to dig deeper, Darren Denslow has his iMac G3 and rusty magnifying glass so he can dig deeper for the real story. This is Digging Deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT Radio. 
And you are here with me, Didi Denzo, for another 10 minutes talking to uh, Ian Clayton, uh, ex, uh, former uh, UK lawyer, or should I say retired UK lawyer. Uh, we've been talking about vaccine injuries. We've been talking about the regulators. Got some comments coming in through on the live chat. A lot of people saying, who regulates the regulators? Which, of course, has got to be uh, the question that we should ask. And Skippy, and he knew I'd pick his comment because he always puts a very uh, prescient comment in the live chat. A uh, big shout out to Skippy. Now regulators are just a facade to give comfort to those to the people who still trust the system. And exactly, it's like trust the system. We have all these regulators here who are giving oversight and watching an overarching uh, view of what's going on and all these things that need regulation. But nobody's regulating the regulators, and one of them is Ofcom. GB News, uh, Ian, this week, uh, Rishi Sunak did a, a surprise question time. I thought it was going to be a bit of a debate, but he was just asking questions from the audience. I didn't listen to the, the whole event. The only bit that I paid attention to was John Watts standing up and screaming at him in a Scottish accent saying, look at me in the eyes, look at me in the eyes, Rishi Sunak. Uh, and at first, I'm like, yeah, great. Rishi's getting it. Someone from who's vaccine injured is calling out Rishi Sunak. But... On reflection, and you know, almost once you've had a chance to breathe and take it all in, it seemed like a very inorganic event. Uh, we, Rishi is being pilloried in Parliament by Andrew Bridgen with regards to vaccine injuries. Was this a setup? Uh, and I don't mean that John Watt is just some actor. Uh, he was probably somebody there, maybe completely innocently. Uh, but GB News are like, who are controlled by reform and the Conservatives. Uh, they've got many of those uh, uh, members of those parties actually working for that media uh, uh, media outlet. Maybe they said, well, get this vaccine injured guy in. We already know he's really, really loud and vocal. Uh, we'll give him a question. We know exactly what he's going to say, and we'll just let the dominoes fall. Uh, what, do you, what was your take on this particular event uh, on GB News on Monday? Okay, Darren. Well, like you, I haven't seen the whole event. I've seen the clip that you refer to yourself there. Um, and it's, I've, I've got to declare that I'm familiar with John. And um, I, I know that certainly John wasn't involved himself in any setup. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. However, when you look at uh, the suggestion you make about the event being set up and John potentially being there um, as a result of an invitation you know, almost to 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 bait John to challenge Rishi, then that is a possibility. My own take on it is that um, the event, rather than being in re about vaccine injuries, etc., per se, I believe, in light of what Rishi's response was, that it was more to begin a shift of blame to the chief medical officers of the four nations within the UK and their team and to move any blame and responsibility for vaccination decisions onto the medical profession. Because in his response, I can't state verbatim what Rishi said, but he did indicate that, you know, they were only politicians. They were taking advice from the medical and scientific experts, I think it was, that he phrased it. That's certainly what he meant, what he said. When you consider that um, the JCVI uh, had, for example, given advice uh, 
to the government not to vaccinate children because the, the, the risk from COVID was, was virtually non-existent. The chief medical officers, as we were told at the time, and I've got no reason to doubt that, were the people who had overturned the JCVI decision. Now, I believe that event was more about Rishi, whether opportunistically or whether by design, having an opportunity to set the ball rolling in relation to, well, it's not us politicians, we're not doctors, we're just, we're just doing what we've been told, we've, we're following the science that we're being guided by. And you guys in the medical and scientific profession are the guidance uh, people. I think it was about that. And I think that's but I think that's the major thing that's going to come of that. Um, and so you think that maybe he is, he's just batting away the balls because he knows that they're coming, they're coming faster and faster with regards to the vaccine and vaccine injuries and excess death issues. He's being badgered in Parliament. Andrew Bridgen, apparently, we are told, is gaining support from more and more MPs on the quiet behind the scenes. Not many of them are vocal. We've got this general election that I have been told by Andrew Bridgen himself is going to happen on the 2nd of May. It seems very likely that an announcement is going to be made mid-March towards the end of March uh, to set the uh, election cycle rolling. Do you think he's just going to bat it away, throw medical professionals uh, and experts or so-called experts under the bus so that because he knows damn well, and we've seen this in the by-election, nobody's going to vote for Conservative in 12, 11 weeks' time. They're all going to disappear into the distance and they can pass the blame onto the medical experts and Keir Starmer's government can uh, uh, pick up the baton uh, and carry on running with it. Uh, do you think that's what Rishi Sunak is doing? Whether by design yeah, or not. I I, I do. I read. I think that. I think that is the first overt sign we've seen of it. You know, um, Rishi's response to John, and I think we've also got to bear in mind. And you mentioned the general election with the expected date being the second of May, as as Andrew has said. Um, we've also got to bear in mind, of course, that in relation to the general election, we've also had the um, postponement of the continuation of the COVID inquiry. Yeah. Um, We've also, we've also seen um, a situation where, w without going into specific detail, let, let us just say that certain um, hearings that have been brought by regulators have also been postponed. Now, one has to ask the question, why is that? There are all of these postponements when there's a danger of enormous amounts of evidence going to be revealed into the public domain. And... All of these postponements have taken place. Now, there might be no specific evidence saying that that's the reason, you know, the election is the reason behind it. But, you know, circumstantially, you, you, you can't fail to wonder. Um, so I, I do think, I, I do think that um, the medical profession are going to be thrown well under the bus. And... I don't think it's just going to stop at those in senior positions, you know, positions like such as Chris Whitty has held. I mm -hmm. think it's going to be the medical profession in general, because let's not forget, and a lot of doctors seem to be in personal denial about this, but if you are a medical professional or not a medical professional and you have put the needle in someone's arm, doesn't matter what you've been told, about don't worry about it you're not responsible you actually are responsible as an individual 
And this is something that many doctors who have spoken out have been saying for a long, long time. And it is true. The person who puts the needle in the arm is the person who's responsible. And they are the person who's responsible for obtaining informed consent, which we is impossible in relation to these vaccines because of the lack of long term. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I was just following orders, uh, will not be a defense, uh, as the old adage goes, coming from Nuremberg back in the late 1940s, early 50s, from the Second World War. Do you think that the COVID inquiry in the UK will be reinitialized after the election? Do you think Starmer's going to go, yeah, let's, let's carry on with this COVID inquiry? Let's carry on with uh, some of these activities that the regulators are involved in that's been suspended and any other activities? that might be looking at the behaviour of this existing Conservative government and what they did uh, between 2020 and now. Do you think all of it is just going to be brushed under the carpet and not started again once Starmer gets into power? Because otherwise he's going to have to pick up the pieces. I think it would be difficult for them not to resume the inquiry, but I think if they do resume it, uh, they really need to reconsider the remit. And I think it needs to be, there needs to be some sort of... um, debate and agreement on to redrafting the remit because i've i've seen the remit of the covid inquiry and it doesn't really address issues that need to be addressed from a public perspective you know it it, it it's written very much in favor of the establishment and the authorities yeah. well yeah. the purpose of it really and the purpose of any such inquiry of this nature should be to serve the public it should be in the public interest i don't see the remit of the inquiry as it stands as being a remit that is is, is drafted in the public interest and the same applies to so much of what's happening you know we we, we seem to have lost well i don't know if we ever had focus on on um authorities uh, working in the public interest. I don't really think that's ever existed. But I think now, because of where we are with the COVID situation and our experiences over the last few years, I think more people are waking up to the fact that, well, hang on a minute, they are there to serve us. They've led us to believe for so long, and they've successfully made so many people believe that we're there to serve them. But that isn't true. And we need to refocus, and we need to, to understand, people need to understand that you know, just because they wear a fancy uniform with a lot of silver buttons on the shoulder or a nice colourful band around the hat, that doesn't give them any status that allows them to think that we're there to serve them. They are there to serve uh-huh. us. I'm not referring to police officers. Of course, I was insinuating police officers there. Yeah. But that is, is everyone in a public in public office. They mm-hmm. need to, you know, step down from their ivory tower, let go of their arrogance, and they need to listen to what the people have to say. And I will say that, I will say that if it comes to it directly to the executive team at Durham Constabulary, because they need to investigate what I've reported to them. And mm-hmm. it's not going away. It's not going to disappear. Mm-hmm. It's not going to just dissolve into the ether. Yeah, it's that old adage. They say, you know, they, they've done studies and that most people will believe anything a man in a white coat says as long as he's being called a scientist. And actually, that's very true. I found that from my teaching experience. I could walk around dressed like I am now. No one will pay any attention to me. I could put on a white coat, my chemistry jacket, and walk around and say something. And people will stand to attention and think that I am some sort of authority just because I've got a lanyard that says chemist on it and I'm wearing a white coat with some iodine stains uh, it was actually quite quite interesting 
Yeah, it'll be uh, what happens when Labour get into power with regards to the, the the COVID inquiry. I don't know. I suspect they will do everything they can, just like the Conservatives, uh, to make it go away and to bury it or sweep it under the rug. Reform ties have come out since this GB News uh, event to say we will investigate. Of course, they're just jumping on the bandwagon and hoping that it will get them some votes. We just have to wait and see what happens. Ian, thanks for coming on to the show we are now coming to the end uh, so i'll let you go about your sunday and to everybody who is uh, listening i've got Godfrey bloom in the wings he'll be joining me in 10 minutes here on tnt radio